That way I can reflect on what I said. If I said something wrong, well, I'll go back and correct it later. Uh, Deborah and I are very, very thankful. We are thankful to God above for the opportunity to be here with you all. If you weren't here for Bible class, I told everybody, I love you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything to make it on to my I love you list. All you had to do is register in my mind. I love people, and I'm thankful to God, especially for his people. But I'm thankful to God for people, and I love people. I attribute that to him because I was not always that way. I want to really, my, my lifelong endeavor here for the last 30 years, since I have, since I have dedicated myself to seeking God, to finding out is there, is there really hope for me? And for those of you that are just about down to the end of your rope, uh, I've been there. I've been to the bottom of the barrel. I've been to the end of my rope. Come find out there was a knot at the bottom. Praise God. It was a knot he tied. It was a knot secured off in his nature. We talked about while going Bible class, uh, Genesis chapter one, just a little bit, first few verses. That's not a text to tell ancient Israel where they came from. It's not a text to tell the whole world about the origin of the universe. It tells ancient Israel that. It tells the whole world the beginning of mankind. It tells us the source, uh, or tells us the, about the beginning of the universe. About the, it tells us all that. But that's not what it's about. It's about God. Come find out this entire book is about him. He is that important. He is that big. Every stress, every fear, every anxiety that you have is based on your understanding of yourself or the circumstances in which you live. None of it based on God's nature. God is eternal and God gives life. That's what he does because he wants to. You know what God does? What he wants to do. He wants to give life and he gives it. And he doesn't need things to be lined up. His, things can be absolutely contrary to him. That could be formless and empty. It could be chaotic and confusing. It could be shrouded in darkness. That doesn't stop God. God goes right on with what God does. He proves himself over and over to be that God. So in trying to keep this simple, I said that for my sake, not y'all's. If you're here today, I want you to know two things. And if I stand in this pulpit 25 years from now, <clears throat> I want you to know two things. You have great value. God loves you. No, the creator of the universe. The one facing abject 
chaos and confusion and darkness and said, let there be light. And there was light. That God loves you. <clears throat> that may not make sense to you today. On some level, I hope it does. I'm just asking you to consider it. Maybe not for the first time. I hope since you were a wee child, somebody tried to teach you that in some regard or other. But I'm asking us to consider it again. I don't know what will happen the rest of this day, much less the rest of this week, the rest of this year, should it come? I don't know. But I know you have a value to the most powerful, eternal, life-giving God. You have value to him, great value. God cares about you. I don't see it or understand it. Well, that's what we're going to delve into some degree. How much does he love me? Because there's just days where I don't feel it. Our youngest daughter was about, I think she was four. Maybe she was coming five. She's always spoken over my head, much less hers for her age. But at about four or five years of age, she'd left some toys somewhere where her mama told her not to, and her mama just went and picked them up. And it didn't matter much till it got down to Pup. And Pup was a little stuffed dog that she'd had from infancy. And when Pup was gone, then that, okay, we're in a bind now. Deborah told her, you put, put your stuff up or I'm gonna gather it up. Well, Pup got gathered up. Jaylee was distraught. I mean distraught. She called me in there to her room. I don't remember if she wound up uh, getting further correction that day or not. I don't, honestly. But I remember what she told me. She looked me in the eye, scrawled up there and sat down on the edge of her bed. And she said, you know what? If somebody were to give me a test and they said, does your mother and your father love you? She said, you better believe I would check yes. She said, but right now, I just don't feel it. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to keep a straight face and stay on task with all that stuff. But how? Yeah, you know, that's the way we are as God sometimes. You can know he created the universe. You can believe that. You can believe that he declared your value. How much does God love me? He loves you this much with a nail in each hand and one through both feet. You see, when we were still powerless, ungodly sinners, Christ died for us. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous man. No, for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, not when we straightened up, not when we remembered, not when we bowed down. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the public forever demonstration of God's love 
for you. I hope that resonates with you. This book is the revelation of God to us. Jesus Christ is the revelation of God to us. Guess who the book's about? Jesus Christ. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was, was hopeless. There wasn't any hope for the world. If you were to sit, you wouldn't have wanted to be there. It was dangerous. It was confusing. It was chaotic. And it was shrouded in darkness. Want to go to that party? There will be no, no opportunity for life of any kind. Want to go there? You don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. But God, God comes into that situation and everything changes. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, the word is Jesus, John chapter one, verse 14. Through him, the word became flesh. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. You know what Jesus brought when he came? Life eternal. He's the only one who's got it. You know why he came and brought it? Because God wanted us to have it. He is life. The words I have spoken to you, he would say, chapter 6, about verse 63. They are spirit and they are life. Every Jesus just preached a sermon and everybody has left. Many of his disciples left never to follow him again, the book says, John 6. And he turned to Peter in the 12 and he said, Where will you go? What about you? Will you leave too? Peter said, lands? No, Lord, we've had all this figured out for so long. We know exactly. Peter didn't understand anything. Worse than that, he thought he understood some stuff. But he knew this. He said, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. So in this, in this book, God has given us word eternal he has given us truth eternal. And he hasn't just given it to us in the words printed on the page. That's in, that's in basically every language known to man that it's printed. It's not just words. It's not just dead letters on a page printed out. It's not just information. It's not just data. But God has revealed himself to us in his son. In the past, he spoke to the prophets through our through the forefathers through the prophets at many times in diverse ways and diverse manners. In many times, he had prophets dress up, did stuff to them, did stuff with them, just so everybody could have a PowerPoint, a living PowerPoint presentation of who God was and what God was up to. That was the life of many of the prophets. They said they suffered hardship and trial and tragedy on many occasions for one reason, God's trying to say something. Now how about that? 
I wonder if God's speaking through his people today. Oh, he is. He is. I mean, I heard some stuff about God the last couple of days. Did y'all? I heard some stuff about him. I did. When people showed up to help me unload the chaos, I'm sure it irritated some of y'all. It embarrassed me greatly. I used to move people for a living. And if I would have ever mashed together the chaos that was in those two tracks, that is not how I would. If, you ever, if I ever had to move your stuff, it won't be like that. Okay? It'll be first off, last on. It'll be, it'll be right. But there were brothers and sisters in the Lord that had opportunity to show up. And I saw in that God. There's so many things about God that are so far over my head. Bill, have you got a good list of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms? Have you, what number are you down to? Because that's what's ours in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1, 3. Not something else, that. Well, I had a bad year. Well, you got every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms given to you in Christ Jesus. That's how your year's going. I don't know what that means financially, emotionally, or spiritually for you. I just know that's the truth. Because in Jesus, that's what we have. There, are so, there is so much about God that is so big and so powerful and so lofty. I, I, I cannot get my mind around it. And yet God is so absolutely practical. You grab something heavy to move it. And you got God's purpose in mind. You better get ready either for it to move. Or God to dwell up in you the humility to call somebody's phone number and help them come move move it with you. Or for something to happen. Because God cares and God keeps his promises. Sure enough. And we see God in one another. You see whatever you're looking for. There's a long list of stuff that I cannot find that is approximately 36 to 42 inches from my face. Long list of that stuff. I know there is because I'm standing here looking at a bunch of stuff. I said I wasn't going to walk around there. I took off. I'm going to have to have a walk around deal sooner or later. Here I'm standing right here looking. You know, it doesn't matter if it's the, do y'all call refrigerators ice boxes? I'm just old fashioned, but okay. If I say ice box, I'm actually talking about a refrigerator like goes in the kitchen. I just grew up with poor people and so we call everything an ice box. But the, I'll be standing in front of the refrigerator or the pantry or a shelf and I can't find it, I can't find it, I can't find it. And here my wife will come and walk right over just arm's length from where I'm standing Pick it up and hand it to me. Is this it? Now, how's that happen? My wife said, well, you weren't thinking. No, I was looking and I was thinking. Problem is, I got to thinking about something else. My mind is, I was doing three more projects in my mind. I was standing there and couldn't, I just couldn't get it sorted out. 
But you generally find what you're looking for. If you're looking for God in this book, you're going to find it. That's God's promise. If you seek me, you will find me. So many people take this book and what they're going to do is, I'm going to open the Bible and find myself. Well, what are you going to do with yourself when you find yourself? Well, what are we going to do? I just, I just want to know me. No, you really don't. But the truth of the matter is, if we could come to know God, then we will make sense and life will make sense. When we come to know God, then we see about ourselves what is the truth. And one of those truths is what I just told you a while ago, this is your value. The world's not going to tell you that. Your productivity level is not going to tell you that. Your, your accomplishments are not going to tell you that. So don't look to the world for your value. Don't look to your accomplishments for your value. Don't look to the productivity that you provide for your value. Those are all just blessings from God. You look to your value from God who created you and gave you life and breath and everything else. And your value is the cross. So in this endeavor to seek God, and that's where over the next 20 or 30 years, whatever I have of life left that I plan to do is seek him and find him and draw near to him. Because if this book is nothing more than a list of rules and instructions, you're not going to fare well at all. If God gave people rules and instructions, you reckon he gave them the best ones? Could you, if God gave you a list of Ten Commandments, could you improve on them? No. He did that one time when he was creating a nation of people. He delivered them out of bondage and he brought them to a mountain to meet himself and they are scared to death because it's flames and fire and billows of smoke and flashes of lightning and, and when they get the law, here's the law, Exodus chapter 20, and he gives them the Ten Commandments and you know what? Let's turn over there and look. I'll show you just for a second. This happens today still. You don't have to be in Arabia for this to happen, which is where Paul says they were in Galatians. Exodus chapter 20. And I know it's here. There it is, right between 19 and 21. God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He delivered them from bondage, bondage that was oppressing and, and sucking the life out of them. And he gives them the Ten Commandments here. And, and the point behind that is I am the God who has delivered you. And so because of that, here's these commandments. In verse 18, when the people saw the thunder and, the, and lightning, they saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. Listen to this. They stayed at a distance. Well, God told them the truth. 
God told them the truth and they're scared to death and at a distance. And if all you get all you get from God is the truth about instructions and commands and you don't know the God behind them, then afraid and at a distance is where you will remain. It's where most of the world is. That's where the devil can can take any of us at any given point. We've got to skip verses one and two to get there. Who gave these commands? The one who rescued you from Egypt. You think God rescued his own people from Egypt so they could be afraid of him and stay away from him? That's stupid. Mm -mm. God rescued them to himself, for himself, for his purpose. They stayed at a distance and they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. God is killing us here, Moses. Why? Because each of these commandments as he gives them, they realize I haven't done that all the time. I don't do that all the time. I've never been able to do that. I, 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 oh my goodness. It's just bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. And then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you have seen for yourselves that I have spoken to you from heaven. Do not make any gods alongside me and do not make for yourselves gods or silver or gold. Here's what you do. Make an altar of earth for me. Make an altar of earth for me. And you sacrifice on it your burnt offerings, the fellowship offerings, your sheep, your goats, your cattle. Wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. That's God's purpose. He rescued these people out of, out of bondage. He delivered these people and he delivered them for his purpose. And he gave them this law, even the Ten Commandments, which for us would be like our constitution. There's 613 uh, ordinances, decrees, commands, and precepts in the law of Moses. But they all, they all undergird those ten. They all undergird and support those 10. He gave them just the 10 and it didn't help anybody. They're scared to death and at a distance from him. Well, that's like the rest of the world. But he told Moses, build for me an altar. Brothers and sisters, that altar for us is the cross. Hebrews 13, 10, we have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. We have an altar. We have a sacrifice. When you say altar, inherent in altar is sacrifice and intercession. That's the reason for an altar. A sacrifice will be given and a priest will intercede. That's what this is, brothers and sisters. With outstretched arms, Jesus is both the Lamb of God and the High Priest of God. 
And he is bringing to God, God's people. God values you so much to give his son to bring you to him. Does God give us commands and instructions? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Are those commands and instructions reflecting him and his wisdom? Yes. But those commands and instructions are bringing us and fastening us to the cross of Jesus Christ. Emotionally, spiritually, and all the other ways. There's a reason God tells us to do what he tells us to do. It's not so we can brag about ourselves to people who don't do it. It's so that we can be saved and transformed by the blood of his son. God is God Almighty. He is the creator. He loves and values you. God wants two things for you. Number one, he wants you to be saved. God wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Number two, God wants those who are saved to be transformed into the likeness of his son. So that we become that revelation of God to other people. Not to the extent Jesus was. But in the same manner, we don't do anything to the extent Jesus did, but we do it in the same manner. I'm trying to leave us today with two thoughts. I don't care who you are. I don't care. I don't care how long you've sat in the pew. I don't care if it's your first time in this building. I love you. You'll come to know that in time. God loves you. You don't have to believe either one of those, but they're both true. I'm, I'm offering it to you to consider. God's doing a whole lot better loving, job of loving you than I will, but I do too love you, and you are free to hold me accountable for that. Jay Donna thought you said you love me. Pierce, me, you hate my guts. Why are you doing this? Well, I'll do, the, I'll do whatever I can. I love people because I want them to know God loves them. I love people because I figured out by the grace of God that he has loved me. I pray this is the greatest time in our lives. I pray that all the things that, that burden and beset and, and distract us Find their place with the light of God, with the nature of our God and the nature of God's concern and provision for us, helping life to make sense for us. It's my earnest prayer. My earnest prayer is that each of us would know God a little bit better, a little bit better. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you, Father, for who you are. We don't know anybody like you. We don't know anybody who can speak a universe so vast we can't measure it or understand it. And Father, you spoke it into existence. 
We don't know anybody with the care and the concern that you, you, you didn't speak man into existence. Father, you fashioned him as it were with your own hands and you, you breathed into him life. And man became a living being. Now that tells us a whole lot about you. I'm asking you, Father, by the truth of your word to breathe into us life. Help some of the truth that we know about you, about your power, about Jesus, your son, about his sacrifice. Help us, help us, Father, to be able to have ears to hear that truth so that those truths about you, they might breathe into us, Father, life eternal. in ways that are practical and helpful. Be with your people in this place, Father. Bless and guide and protect them in any little way and in every single way, Father, that glorifies you. Please bless Deborah and I, Father, in our coming here. We love you. We're trying to be here humbly and by your purpose and by faith and your nature and your plan. Father, bless us, help us to be caring and help us to love relentlessly and help us to be sacrificial and help all of us, Father, to be humble and to be genuine. You grow and bless and guide us, protect us, save us, Father, and you do that in ways that bring you glory for the promise-keeping God that you are. We thank you for hearing our prayer, Father. You said you did. And we praise you, Father, for answering our prayer already. According to your will, that is what we want. It's in Jesus' precious and powerful name that we pray it now. Amen. I told you God loves you this much with a nail in each hand and one through the feet. And that is the demonstration of his love. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the full message explanation of that. You can come on up, brother. You can come on up. And if that truth helps you any at all, so that you just, you just, you just need help, you need love, you need whatever. This family of believers is dedicated to helping you know God and their concern for you. So if we could do anything to bless or help you this morning, you can let us know right now while we stand and sing this song, which is our way of just praying together. God, help us help each other. You can let us know now while we stand, while we sing.